So today we're going to look at Matthew 5, 8, and we're going to look at it from the premise of uh, what Jesus hasn't said. We know that Jesus, in verse 3, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs the kingdom of heaven. What he did not say was, Blessed are the self-confident, for they can accomplish anything. You might hear that all the time, that the self-confident can get anything done. Jesus didn't say that. In verse 4, Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Jesus did not say, Blessed are the excited, for they're doing awesome. Jesus said in verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus did not say, Blessed are those who do what they have to do to win, for they are unstoppable. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Jesus did not say, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for success, for they will get it. Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Jesus did not say, Blessed are those who get even, for nobody can push them around. Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Jesus did not say, Blessed are those who look good, for they will impress others. So what he said and what he hasn't said is going to be our idea today, our topic today, to look at blessed are the pure, pure in spirit, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they, will, they shall see God. So, is the idea of being pure in heart, is it being perfect? Blessed are the perfect, for they shall see God. Is it possible to be perfect? In over in Matthew 5, 48, Jesus says, Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. So did Jesus say here that the application needs to be, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Is he telling us that we are to be perfect? Well, let's begin with kind of some working through this to see if whether or not Jesus said that we are to be perfect. And those that are perfect, they'll see God to see if that's accurate. Okay. Now, is anyone here perfect? Anyone at all? Raise your hand if you're perfect. I thought I saw a hand there. Anyone perfect? No. Have, do you know anyone other than Jesus that's perfect? Do you know anyone other than Jesus that thinks they're perfect? They don't see God. And so when you look at this, when you think about how things are, do you, do you think about what it would be like if Jesus did teach that we see God if we are perfect and we have to be perfect to see God? If, if, if that's what Jesus taught, then, then what, would G, what would it be like in life? What would it be like for us? If seeing God was only possible if you were perfect, well, first of all, that would be an unrealistic expectation that he'd be putting up there for us. An unrealistic expectation. If, if no one in the room is perfect and you don't know anybody that's perfect and, and 
I would assume that there are many, many in the room that really love the Lord with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind. And you know people that love God with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind. So we know that it's possible to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our being. It's possible to love God with all that we have and not be perfect because we don't know any perfect people. And so it's not realistic. It's an unrealistic idea that we can be perfect. Now, we can sin less in our life. We can overcome things. We can... We can we can get a handle of some strongholds in our life. We can walk beyond those strongholds, right? We can walk beyond addictions. We can be healed from habits. We, we, can, we can even walk beyond hurts that we might have. All of us, through the power and the strength of the Lord Jesus and through the work of the Holy Spirit, we can overcome things in this world, but experience tells us we can never be perfect. So I think that the fact that Jesus loves us and Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light because Jesus says, keep the commandments. The commandments are not burdensome. The word of the Lord tells us that the commandments are not burdensome then we have the understanding that Jesus has not put anything on us that is burdensome. And so Jesus has not laid on us any unrealistic expectations. How frustrating it would be if all of us were trying to be perfect and if being perfect was the only way we can be right with God, being perfect was the only way that we could experience God, that we could see God. That would be a very, very painful life. Every single day, you try harder. Every single day, you try to measure up. Every single day, you would try to live so that God would be pleased with you. Well, that, that'd be a hard, hard life. That's not love. That's not what God has put before us. We are right with God through faith in Christ, not through being perfect. So when I look at this scripture here, it says, blessed are the pure in heart. It must not mean, it cannot mean perfect. We are to have not perfection, but direction. Not holy perfection, but holy direction. We are to sin less. We are to become more like Jesus. We are to grow in holiness, grow in right standing with him. But this scripture here is not telling us, as many people believe it does, that the only way we can see God is to be perfect. So being pure in heart does not being be perfect. It's another way to look at this. Gold is not 100% pure. Gold is 100% gold. Do you get the little subtlety there? The little difference in that idea? Apply that to our Christian life. A believer who is pure in heart is not 100% perfect, but 100% a believer. That's what it means to be pure in heart. In his book, Improving Your Serve, another way for us to look at this, 
Dr. Swindoll tells us speaking at a singles retreat in, the, in a Rocky Mountains resort. He had purposely brought along a full-faced rubber mask that his children had given him as a funny present. One evening, he wore it as he began to speak on authenticity. Authentic, say it for me. Authenticity. Authenticity. All I saw was authenticity. I said, that ain't right. I am not perfect by any means. As expected, the crowd went wild with laughter. Each new sentence increased the effect. After removing the mask, he observed, it's a funny thing when we wear literal masks. Nobody is fooled. But how easy it is to wear invisible ones and fake people out by the hundreds. Servants who are pure in heart have peeled off their mask and God places special blessings on their lives. So from that aspect, in the idea of being pure in heart, being pure in heart is no guile, no trickery, no deception, no hypocrisy. Honest, genuine, authentic. So to be pure in heart means not that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we're 100% pure. It means that we are real, authentic, genuine, honest, no guile, no pretense, no trickery, no deception. So if we are without hypocrisy, if we are just genuinely honest about where we are with the Lord, if we're able to understand, be honest with ourselves, be honest with others, and most certainly be honest with God, then we are on that pathway to being perfect, pure in spirit, in heart. Because being, per being pure in heart means that we are genuine. We are a believer. We're not a fence sitter. We're not wishy-washy with our belief, our trust. David Egner says, we all struggle with the problem of hypocrisy, but when our hearts are pure, we have no reason to cover our faces. So being pure in heart is we are just real. We are honest about our faith. We are honest about our situation. We are honest about our sin. We are honest about our imperfections, not trying to hide anything. Blessed are the pure in heart. Vance Havner said, the pure in heart are those who follow holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. So it's not being completely perfect, being completely holy. It is moving in that direction, being a follower of Christ. So the pure in heart means we are sincere. We are without guile. We are not faking it. We are not tricking anyone. We are, we are not walking down the road of hypocrisy. We are honest about our problems. We are honest about our situation. We are honest about our awareness of God. And the Lord is pleased with that. The Lord is pleased with that. Maybe we can look at this a different way. I don't know about you, but when I was saved, I did not really know a lot about the Lord. I had not been raised in church, did not grow up in church. And so when the youth minister set me down and he said, I understand that you're really, you know, thinking about receiving Christ. And I said, yeah, I've, I've been thinking about it. I've been working, you know, I've been talking with people and I'm ready to receive Christ. 
Now, at that particular time, I could not pass an, a first grade test on what it means to be a Christian. Basically, all I knew was this. I knew that Jesus died on the cross for me, and I knew that he loved me, and I knew that he would forgive me. And so I wanted those three things. That's all I understood. I didn't understand the Holy Spirit. I didn't understand the atonement. I didn't understand the aspects of a salvation. I didn't understand how the church operated. I didn't understand how it worked. I didn't know about prayer. I didn't even know about Bible study. I didn't know what the gospels were. I didn't know what the New Testament was. I didn't know what the Old Testament was. All I knew is that what I saw in these Christian people was that they had something I didn't have and they had a peace that I craved and I needed. And so when I accepted Christ, I believed in him. I trusted in him with all that I had, with all that I understood, with all that I knew, I gave myself to Christ. I began to see the things of the Lord at that point. What I didn't know, I now knew, and I began to see and experience. And, and growth began to take place. Now, if, if I compared the knowledge I have now to the knowledge I had then, if being pure in heart had something to do with knowledge, there's no way in the world I could say that I was really a believer way back when I was a teenager. There's no way. Because if you compared the growth, the spiritual awareness, the spiritual understanding, the knowledge that I have today compared to the knowledge that I had the day I was saved, there, there's no way. You say, you wasn't saved back then. You didn't have enough knowledge. So being pure in heart cannot mean knowledge. It doesn't mean knowledge. Being pure in heart does not mean being ready. How many times you've had someone say, well, I can't, I can't serve the Lord because I'm not ready. Do you believe? Yes, you're ready. You got it. You have all you need. You know what you need to disciple another person? Be born again about a minute before they were. Because it says the pure in heart will see God. This is not saying that being pure in heart is perfection. This is not saying that being pure in heart is having lots of knowledge. Now, holiness is important. Having knowledge is really important. But it's not having knowledge that lets us see God. It's all we are, all that we know, all of our understanding is in the Lord's hands. That's what it means to be pure in heart. All in, people say, in poker. I'm all in. When they say all in, what do they do? They're putting all their chips in the middle of the table saying, I've got a hand that I believe is, is all I need. I'm all in. And so regardless of the level of understanding, regardless of, of, the, of, the, of the holiness that a person is experiencing, regardless of the amount of sins that, that have been dealt with, and have been overcome in a person's life. Doesn't have anything to do with that. It has to do with the condition of the heart, with the understanding that they have, with, with the, the, the condition of their being, their heart right now, they are the Lord's. They are pure in heart. 
So it's not perfection and it's not knowledge. It's also not faith. It's not having more faith. In Luke, the, the disciples came to Jesus and says, teach us more faith. And, and Jesus told those guys this. He said, to answer the question, teach us more faith. He said, if you just have faith as a mustard seed. All right, a mustard seed. Smallest seed of all the seeds. I've, I've taken a, a mustard plant in my hand. And, and, and matter of fact, in, uh, uh, in Israel, I took that mustard seed in my hand, and, and that mustard leaf in my hand, the flower, and, and I, I rubbed it in my hand. And I, there was hundreds of little bitty specks in my hand, mustard seeds. So what does Jesus tell the disciples there? The disciples, what's their mindset now? If we just had more faith, if we were deeper in our faith, if we were just be people of great faith, then maybe we can accomplish something. And Jesus says, if you just have faith as a mustard seed. So it's not more faith. It's not growing and having more faith. It's not being a great faith hero type person it gets to see God. It's just being pure in heart, being undivided, being single-minded, being honest, being genuine, being authentic, being real with God. And as all that you know and all that you understand, you believe and you trust him. It's not having more faith. It's not having more knowledge. It's not being perfect. So, you know what I think that tells us today? If it's not more, if it's not being perfect and it's not being, having more knowledge and if it's not having more faith, then we got an opportunity to see the Lord. You can see the Lord. You can see his evidence in this world. Just as the wind blows the trees, you can see what the Lord does. Now, the scripture tells us we can't see God in this state. We don't see God fully in this state, right? We don't see him. Moses hid in the cleft of the rock. There's something about his glory. There's something about his his brilliance or his energy, the power that we cannot see the Lord. We can't. Paul said, we look at him dimly. We look at him in our, in a dim lens. And so there's not enough light for, from us to be able to see him completely. Now it does say that when Jesus returns, we will see him as he is. And so we will see him in his fullness one day. But today we do have an opportunity to see the Lord's work, to see his hand. And, and in, in the original language here, when it says, for they shall see God, what it means is they're going to keep on seeing him. They're going to see him on a daily basis. They're going to see him in a, workly, a weekly basis. They can see him working through the life of their church. If they would just be pure in heart, they will see the, they will see the Lord's handiwork. And so, We've been talking about that Jesus sees the crowds. He retreats away from the crowds. and He goes up the mountain, away from the Sea of Galilee, up into them hills. 
the disciples followed him and he sat down and he taught them and he taught these, these things. And these things that he's teaching them are the things that he wants the disciples to understand, to be aware of, to know, to be, so that they can go back into those crowds and they can be an impact. They can be a source of blessing. They can be an encouragement. They can be truth tellers. They can be people that will give hope. And the way that we become that is we recognize we're poor in spirit. We've sinned against God. We grieve over our sin in verse four. We become meek means strength under control, that, that we hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we are merciful to people. We don't go to the crowds judgmental. We don't go to the, to the crowds condemning the crowds. We go into the crowds with truth and grace and love and just let the Lord do what he wants because we're not the judge, he is. And so we understand our position. And he says, pure in heart, I want you to be 100% gold. Not 100% perfect. Not 100% holy. Not 100% uh, full of knowledge and, and not people that say they are 100% faith, un, uh, faith, faith, uh, people, people of faith. But he says, I want you to be 100% mine. And if we are 100% his, warts and all, we'll get to see the Lord's work. We'll see spiritual people, we'll see spiritual truth open people's hearts. You'll see people be awakened to the work of the Spirit. You'll see people who have no hope receive hope. You'll see the Holy Spirit go to work and encourage believers and strengthen believers and do things that only the Lord can do. And so He wants His disciples to grow to the place where they see the Lord's work. Now, how else could it be? I don't think it could be anywhere else, anywhere else. If he's sending us into the world like sheep among wolves, there, we, we got to have something there in our back pocket. If we're going to go into the world and it's going to be very difficult, it's going to be painful, it's going to be hard, we are going to be persecuted, we're going to find out, we are going to be hated because of Jesus, we are going to be outnumbered in this world, we are going to live in a world where most people are not going to love our Jesus and they're not going to love us for loving Jesus and they're not going to be, they're not going to love our morality, they're not going to be keen about our convictions and our place in the world and they are going to be our enemies, they are going to be in opposition position to us. They're not going to be our friends. They're going to backstab us. They're going to betray us. They're, they're going to be absolutely walled up against us. What's in our back pocket is, yeah, but I've seen the Lord work. It doesn't look good. Goliath, the giant looks huge, but I believe you can't whip that giant. No, no, no. God can to be wholehearted. Caleb and Joshua, they were about to go in the promised land. All those wandering Israelites out there in that desert. They come up and, and they get 
right across from Jericho. Now, that's an interesting thing because today, all you see is brown all the way around. You see Mount Nebo to, to uh, Jordan uh, towards the west and to the east. You see those hills that go up into Jerusalem. To the south of you, the Dead Sea. To the north of you, you see nothing but brown. You see rocks and dirt. That's all you see. When you start going into Jericho, you see a, even today with all the stuff that's in Jericho and that little town that's there, you see green. You see green. You know why you see green? Because there's a pretty good oasis there. There's a good well there. There's some water, that this big lake under there evidently, where they can water crops, do things. So you see this green spot. So... If you've been out there in the desert for a long time and, and, you know, manna every day, people complained about manna every day, right? Quails form. You know, they, I mean, they, they had done, they had had the same thing so much, they had done forgotten that it was a miracle every time they ate. And they were complaining, they were upset, they were tired. But if you, if you're out there in that wandering wilderness and you come and for the first time in a long time, you see some green. Whoa. We got to go over there and stay there. I mean, wouldn't you want to just go lay down in the grass and just scrub like a dog or a horse in that grass? I would. I want to get some of that. And so the Lord leads Moses to put together 12 spies. They go into the land, and these 12 tribes, one from each tribe, go in the land. Caleb and Joshua are one of them. They go in there, and what do they see? They see fruit, good fruit, crops. They see green. They see lots of possibility. Compared to what they've been experiencing, it's just utopia. But they also see giants. They see fortified towns. They see Jericho with a wall around it and, and see all this. They come back to report to the elders what they had seen. Ten of the spies say, I ain't going. We can't do it. It can't be done. There's no way in the world that, that we can, we can get in that land and survive. We're going to get wiped out. We've been out here in this desert all this time. There's no way if we go over there that we can survive those people. Joshua and Caleb said, wait a minute, fellas. Wait a minute. Yep, there's giants over there. Yep, it's going to be tough, but God's powerful. God is God. There's nothing God can't do. Let's go now and take the land. This is in the Lord's hands. We believe God. We trust God. It can be done. We can do this. That's being pure in heart. And we know that's pure in heart because in Numbers, it says to us that all the people, including Moses, by the way, that were in that group didn't get to go in the promised land and they had to, they had to suffer out there for 40 years in that wilderness. But when the day came for them to take it, there were two originals that got to go in. And those two originals was Joshua and Caleb. 
And it says the reason why those two guys were the only two originals that got to go in and experience the Holy Land was because they were wholehearted. They weren't divided. They weren't wishy-washy. They didn't have it all together. They weren't perfect. Caleb wasn't perfect. Joshua wasn't perfect. They had lessons to learn, but they were wholehearted, and so they got to see God. So to see God, to see his miracles, to see his handwork, to see his spirit blow the leaves of the trees in your life, to see fruit grow, to see, to see the unbelievable take place, to see the unexplainable happen. It's not more faith, it's not being perfect, and it's not more knowledge. It's just with all that you have in your heart, all that you understand, all that you believe, all that you know, you 100% trust in the Lord. And you walk in grace and you believe in Him to do what only He can do. Blessed, a state of peace and contentment that has nothing to do with circumstances. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. If it was true of Caleb and Joshua, it's true for us today. I look forward to knowing what the Lord does in your life as you quit worrying about being perfect and you just enjoy the grace that you have. You quit worrying about what you don't know and just act on what you know. And, and, and you quit thinking you don't have enough faith and you just act on the faith that you have. Because as you are today, you can see the Lord if you just walk forward. You know, the deeper life, people say, I want a deeper life. You know what the deeper life is? The deeper Christian life, the deeper spiritual life is being obedient to what you know. And if you'll just act on what you know to do, with what you, if you'll act on what you understand to do today, you'll see the Lord. You know, Jesus, the Word of God doesn't teach us. Jesus didn't say, Understand all the commandments. He says, keep the commandments. And those are two different things. Help us, Lord, to know what you want and how you want it. Help us to see you work. Help us, Lord, to walk with the faith we have, with the understanding we have today, under grace to see your wonderful work. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come forward.